Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Embracing the Gray with Vic and Kels, where we are here to challenge the all or nothing thinking when it comes to all things food, body, and mindset. And today we have a very special guest. I'm loving this trend. Today we are going to be interviewing Miss Abby, and she's going to be walking us through her journey of chronic illness and how having those elimination diets having to eat in a way to support your immune system, to uh, support your health needs and how that can sometimes lead to some restrictive behaviors or lead to some poor relationships with food, how to deal with that, how to overcome that so that you can have a healthy relationship with food and your body and still do it in a way that supports you. So super excited to have you here, Miss Abby. How are you, Abby and Vic? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here and it's starting to turn fall. So we've been doing some hiking and mushroom hunting, which has been lovely. That sounds amazing. And mm-hmm. I am loving the fall. I October yesterday happened. I woke up and I turned the fireplace on and Josh was like, I don't know that we're all the way ready for that yet, but I'm really excited to see you, Abby, and be able to chat with you. Absolutely. So Abby, I would love for you to share a little bit about your history where your kind of journey started when it comes to maybe chronic illness and kind of take us up to the point of when you and I first connected. What was it about Mm -hmm. that? I think we connected via email. You were part of my email Mm -hmm. list. And there was something that I had said that really kind of sparked your attention being like, hey, I might need some help with this. Yeah. And I actually found you through the eight app. You had written an article through there. And then I signed up for some free something you were giving away and then through the email and thought I'd connect with you. So my journey started uh, back in 2009. I was starting to have a lot of digestive issues and problems and then was hospitalized after running a marathon and three days later was hospitalized. So talk about brain over body ability there. So then after that, they found some cryptosporidium infections and things like that. Um, But there still wasn't, things weren't getting better after that, even after taking medications and things. So then I was in grad school at the time and uh, the doctors, we had a bunch of doctors involved because they didn't really know what else was wrong because my white blood cell count was so low. And we also had a psychiatrist come in and he said I had potential for disordered eating and anorexia-like behavior. That made me very angry because I couldn't eat anything because every time I did, my stomach would hurt. Mm. So I swung the opposite way and then started eating as much as I could um, because I was so angry at this possibility. Um, And then it was, we moved out West and I still was having major issues with chronic health stuff and digestive issues and seeing a lot of different types of specialists. And I did Pretty much everything you can imagine, Chinese medicine, herbal herbalism, Ayurveda, uh, Western medicine, and naturopathy. I pretty much ran the gamut of everything. Uh, I started to see a naturopath and we were working on the digestive system because a lot of the beliefs were 
when your digestive system isn't working, the rest of the body, body isn't working. So malnutrition was involved and FOD, a low FODMAP diet because of SIBO problems. Uh, SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And so the idea when I was starting to get treatment for this was that you do a low FODMAP diet, which is you reduce uh, all foods basically that can be fermented in your gut uh, and cause bacterial overgrowth. All foods ferment in our gut, but specific ones are supposed to feed types of bacteria that are in the wrong places. At that time, they were still figuring this out. They didn't know how to deal with it. And so they prescribed me certain things to reduce the bacteria, but also a low FODMAP diet. Uh, now to find out that you're only supposed to do it for like a month and start to to increase the types of foods you eat because you're trying to starve off the bacteria. Uh, but at that time, they didn't know that. So I was on a low FODMAP diet for at least a year. Oh, um, yeah. Man. Yeah. And low FODMAPs is extremely restrictive and extremely specific in what you can and can't eat. Uh, and being a scientist, so I'm a microbiologist by trade, and I went to school for fish parasitology, essentially. So I was very much into using my body as my own kind of test subject, right? Mm -hmm. So trying out different things and seeing what would work. I had tried out every other diet before the slow FODMAP diet in terms of vegan, uh, paleo, keto, um, yeah, everything you can pretty much imagine, raw food diet, all that stuff. The low FODMAP one would help me reduce my symptoms, uh, but still there's a lot of problems going on. Uh, I found out then I was starting to get tested for some other types of diseases that I had Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also had didn't have a period for a year, so amenorrhea as well, which I'm assuming was from the low FODMAP diet more than mm -hmm. it was from the Lyme disease. Uh, once I started to get treated for the Lyme disease, that really changed, like made me feel pretty much 80 to 90% better. Mm -hmm. During these times though, with having these restrictive diets, I would go on these cycles of wanting to eat things that I couldn't have. Now I know those were binge episodes of eating too much and then feeling like crap and then being more restrictive later because mm -hmm. I was feeling that this was helping me change, but I couldn't stay on course. Uh, then when I moved and again, I was realizing that I was still having problems, even getting through the Lyme disease and everything. This is now about 10 years in of chronic health stuff. And then I was looking for other resources. I kind of, in the back of my head, had thoughts that there was maybe some sort of disordered eating happening, but felt very embarrassed about that. Mm. Yeah. And so it was very hard to even talk about or comprehend in some regard. Uh, and then that's when I started looking at certain avenues of maybe getting help in that regard some way. For sure. And I, I so appreciate you sharing all of this part of your journey because you are an athlete. 
even now, like you were mm-hmm. definitely an athlete. You're huge into mountain biking, volleyball, like all of the things. I know you were extremely mm-hmm. active and having these immune issues, having these chronic diseases. It, I know it kind of broke your trust with your body. Very much so. Like feeling like I can't trust my body mm-hmm. to take care of me anymore. It's it's now me working yep. against my body in a sense. And yep. I really appreciate it. Cause like a lot of people don't understand disordered eating, right? A lot of people, all of us have, can have, it's a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. And so for you, I know that maybe didn't resonate with, with binge eating. That probably wasn't how you were labeling this problem. What mm-hmm. were you labeling or how would you identify your problem with food at that time? At that time, I would say it was more orthorexia. So it was looking at the foods as every food, like kind of almost having a problem with it. You know, was it, did it have too many FODMAPs? Did it have too much acid in it? Did it have, uh, was it, I'm trying to think of the other, I've just went through so many, it gets blurry in my mm-hmm. head sometimes. What is what? Um, I just remember having lists and lists and lists. Oh, the autoimmune paleo diet, like doing that sort of stuff to reduce because I have low white blood cell chronically now because of the Lyme disease and stuff. And just being so hyper-focused on that. And then where did the food come from? And is it organic? And do when when can I eat it? Even those hyper-focused avenues too of like, when can I eat it? And when can't I? And then- What also added to that stress was having supplements and being, I felt frustrated at times that, you know, they're not medication, but then I'd have these naturopaths prescribing me basically a whole 10 different supplements to take during the day. And I'd have to take them some with food, some without food, some 30 minutes after eating, some 30 minutes before eating. So it was like, extremely restrictive in those times. And yes, I am very much, I am a person who likes to move my body, like being in my body. And that's when I feel the best. There's periods of time where I didn't do that a month or so at a time. And I said, this is ridiculous. I can't handle this because I was worse off not moving my body. Um, And I would have breakdowns sometimes while doing the movement, but it was worth it to me um, instead of sitting just sitting around waiting for something to change. So that's more of what I would say it was orthorexia and then started being more binge eating later after that. Um, I think they thought that it was anorexia because I had lost so much weight, but I was so sick and training for a half marathon. Uh, So if you just think of the mindset I had during that, I took all that mindset to try to heal myself for Mm -hmm. 10 years and was super restrictive in things, thinking that it would be a linear path Mm -hmm. to my health and healing. And it realizing for a very hard road of 10 years that it's not a linear path and I can't do A plus B equals C. It's definitely a more gray area, if you (laughs) want to say. (laughs) Oh, don't you go there. (laughs) Um, Abby, I have two questions for you. Um, Mm -hmm. my first one was, did anybody else, was anyone else like picking up on this as you were going through it? Or was it just through the lens of you were dealing with the, like trying to manage your symptoms with chronic illness, like the food thoughts and kind of like behaviors that you would potentially exhibit in front of other people? So 
most of my friends and family who are very loving uh, saw it through the lens of me healing because they, because of Lyme disease and these other chronic conditions that associated with it, no doctor and nobody really, there's no really specific treatment plan. So nobody really knows how to help. It's not like I have cancer and then you have to do this or this. Uh, it's you have to figure out how what works for you and what your symptoms you're having so for them it was really they were just trying to support me in any way they could mm-hmm. um then but for me looking back on that experience I was just actually found a journal from 2009 2010 and I had written in there that there was a counselor I was seeing because I was dealing with a lot of anxiety being feeling like crap, being in grad school and wanting to be a typical 20 something year old. Um, And they had mentioned uh, disordered eating and anorexia and stuff. So there had been little things along the way. uh, But I would say that it was hard for family and friends to see what was truly going on. And also the problem comes up is that I probably was pretty convincing because of my knowledge in science and I knew more than most people around me and I could talk to the doctors more on a similar level than and interpret results of things than anybody around me would understand. Do you think that that do you do you feel like communicating with the doctors like you they were trying to potentially like convey hey you need like counseling or you need this or you need that but you were able to kind of like talk them out of it or was it did you ever go to therapy for eating related things I did not go to therapy for eating related things I think that the doctors were more concerned with the bigger problems of the Lyme disease and the stomach issues that were so debilitating. Uh, And yeah, I didn't really see. I also, when I wouldn't get results from a doctor for six months or something, I would change doctors because I was trying to find what was going on. And until I got diagnosed with Lyme disease, like a lot of that, those symptoms didn't go away until I started treating for Lyme disease. Um, Even at the doctors uh, through school, I was seeing a school counselor. So I think they thought that because I was seeing the school counselor, I was ticking that box, if that makes sense. Yeah. I find it so fascinating. Like orthorexia is so interesting. It was something that I didn't even realize I was experiencing because we can actually be praised for being orthorexic. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously Mm -hmm. it's still on a spectrum, but orthorexia guys, if you don't know what it is, it is the obsession with healthy eating. And it comes to the point that food, like you can have so much anxiety around food, your list of clean foods or foods that you are able to eat, be it smaller and smaller and smaller, more restrictive. And it can really start to impact your mental and emotional health. It's mm-hmm. it's fascinating. And what's really interesting for me, because I see a lot of like, obviously you were restricting, not necessarily for weight, like there could have been some like conditioning or programming or desire for that. But for the most part, we we are able to write it off or 
excuse our restrictive behavior because it's in the name of health, because it's in the name of me trying to eat as clean and as healthy as possible for my health. And so it's just really interesting because what ends up happening then, a lot of times we're we're fighting inflammation, we're fighting bloating, mm-hmm. but the chronic stress of, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this food is going to make me feel this. This food is going to make me feel this, this, and constantly being so hyper-focused on, on food actually creates the inflammation, actually creates and makes things even worse. And it's all in our head. And I'd love for you real quick, because I know this was a huge aha moment. I still remember there was a time, I think we were still one-on-one coaching. You sent me like a Voxer message. You're like, Kelsey, I heard this podcast. You have to listen to this. This is mind-blowing. This is changing everything. And it was this idea of, I think it was like the pain anxiety cycle. I'm I'm not exactly Mm -hmm. sure, but I'd love for you to kind of talk about that aha moment. Like what clicked in for you? How did that change things for you? So at that point, I was dealing with what they consider post-Lyme Lyme disease syndrome, where you're going to be have, you have the bacteria is rid essentially from your body, but your system has worked with chronic Lyme disease that it has worked for so long in a certain rhythm or pattern, you still have symptoms. And I would get anxious when those symptoms would come up. So what did I do? I tried to find something to fix it or I'd get more anxious and then I'd feel more like crap and I'd have more symptoms or the symptoms would intensify. So what the idea is, is that from this podcast, it's the anxiety pain cycle that you feel pain, you get anxious, but then the pain increases because you're getting anxious and then you feel more pain. So it just keeps going in this cycle. So the idea is to break the cycle and I actually just listened to that before this, listened to that boxer uh, message I sent you as oh, well, wow. because, yeah, because I saved some of them. Um, and yeah, and they, it was such a big influence for me because I would try to find whatever I could externally mm-hmm. to stop the pain. And at that moment, thinking about that podcast, I just laid in my bed and said, this will go away eventually. So it's kind of like what we've talked about with dismissing the urge with binge eating. This was dismissing the urge of my pain to get me to get up and get something or change something or change my external environment that would hopefully change my internal environment. But realizing then practicing that for another two years, I don't even feel like I notice the pain as much. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when it does come up, yes, it's bothersome, but I don't hyper-focus on it as Mm -hmm. much as what I did before. And the hyper-focus thing would then just increase my anxiety level. I'm sure it increased my cortisol and everything else. And then I would reach for something, be that a supplement or even uh, exercising or some sort of food that I thought was on the good list with FODMAPs. to try to change that internal environment. It's huge. Understanding this, I didn't even have a terminology for it at the time. Like this was years before I even met you. I was diagnosed with a panic disorder and mm-hmm. it, I would have physical manifestations of my stress to the point, like my tongue, it would feel like I would swell up. Like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was almost having like a, some sort of an allergic reaction. And it was fascinating when I started realizing and just saying, this is in my head, or this is like, I am okay. And recognizing what the symptoms were and just 
and reminding myself that I am okay, everything is okay, This that I had more control over it than I had initially believed, it changed everything for me uh, and being able to get off of anti-anxiety meds and different things. And it kind of reminds me of what we do in the group a lot. It's separating ourselves, separating ourselves from the urge to binge, separating ourselves from our emotions rather than I am anxious, I feel anxious, separating ourselves from our thoughts, being able to just observe these things as something that is outside of ourselves, something that is an experience, something that, like you said, this too shall pass. I think that being able to to hone that skill is is just, it can be super life-changing. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because it's not really, we're not changing our food. We're not changing the diet. We're not really changing anything other than the way that we're perceiving our pain. Yep. Yep. And at that point, it wasn't going to hurt me, the pain. Mm-hmm. It just was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the working with the uncomfortable feeling and that that uncomfortable feeling is the way your body was working to protect itself for so long. And now it's getting out of those habits, just like my immune system worked for hard for so long. It has habits now of being a certain way. Uh, and so working to move out of those patterns. Absolutely. I think that more people than we realize have some sort of it might not be it's all spectrum but have some sort of disordered eating with health health and nutrition diets i think it's more rampant than people let on to under this guise of i'm doing this for my body 100 i i know that to be true (laughs) and like it it, Mm -hmm. it's so difficult because diet culture definitely normalizes disordered eating under the guise of I'm trying to be healthy. I'm, I, like I used to say all the time, like I'm fasting for autophagy. I'm, but really what I was doing was just allowing myself to have a binge restrict cycle and just Mm -hmm. trying desperately to, to try and control things. You know, when you're saying you're doing paleo or it was whole 30 and it's, it's just really interesting how we can what is the word I'm trying to say? Not excuse, but to say that it's fine. I'm healthy, that it's mm-hmm. okay because of this, this mentality or this mindset, mm-hmm. because I'm trying to be healthy. And I'm not saying that there aren't certain foods that will affect you. I still don't eat dairy, gluten, or cane sugar because of how I feel when I eat them. But I've experienced with those things. I've have so much experience with those things not making me feel well. I know that that is just something I don't eat and it doesn't make me, I don't feel like I'm missing anything without those things. Again, it all depends on perspective. It all depends on your mindset. If you can make sure that you're still able to feel satisfied, like intuitive eating, so many people think it's just eat whatever you want, whenever you want, all the time, just eat junk food. All That's not it at all. We are focusing on how we want to feel. And again, which as we talk about here, we're intuitive eating informed, we're mm-hmm. plant forward, but we're not mm-hmm. plant-based. We're not just intuitive eating. We are we eat intentionally. We eat based on how we want to feel. We choose foods that are congruent with our our body and our fitness and our health goals, but in a way that that doesn't make you feel restricted or deprived and it's finding that gray zone because to you that may not feel restrictive at this point, 
to me, if I were to say, I'm going to do this dairy-free, gluten-free, whatever, that would feel extremely restrictive to me at this point, but it all comes down like our very first of the freedom method roadmap. It all comes down to the why for me, if I were to take out gluten or dairy, all those things at this point, I don't have any real reason why to do so. Like attracts like, so I have friends with autoimmune things and you know, I have one friend can eat gluten, but she can't do dairy. Another one has problems with beans, right? So it just depends on who you are. And it's a long road and there's no specific map. You have to make your own map and draw your own journey through the whole chronic health process. And the problem I have with some of the stuff online is that people are have all these things that are going to fix your chronic illness, but they're really just kind of praying sometimes, even with best intentions on people down, what do I say? Their lowest moments in life, their kind of lowest moments. And they're so desperate to feel better that they just want to believe that the thing is going to change them when in reality they need to have somebody help guide them like a doctor or something that knows how to pinpoint what works for you specifically with chronic illnesses that are long-term. Absolutely. I'd love to know for you, like, what are some of the things you've done now to have a more peaceful, easeful relationship with food, even like talking about your exercise and Mm -hmm. what are some of the things for you that stand out that have helped you to really just be in this place now? I would say having food freedom, having, Mm -hmm. you know, being, having able to have gentle and joyful movement. Mm -hmm. What are those things that you've done that you would advise for others? I mean, the biggest one is right here, the group, your group, Kelsey, right? We're going through the program and going through all the steps, just going through the steps of being not afraid of eating whatever I feel like in the moment at any time of day, eating the thing that sounds the best to me and fueling my body properly for my movement and my recovery, especially with more protein at my meals and uh, eating more regularly. Usually, usually I have at least three meals and two snacks a day and that can ebb and flow and being okay with that ebb and flow, uh, listening to my body of what I need in that moment And things continually progress and change and adjust. I mean, I feel like I went through the program, I think this is my third year working with you. Uh, The first year felt like, or first year and a half even, just felt like I was just eating everything in sight a lot all the time, uh, which was okay. And I just kept telling myself that was okay. And then testing out slowly different types of foods to see if I was reacting to them almost as a, what I don't know if this make, makes sense or not, but a backwards, like they talk about elimination diets where you eliminate everything and then bring things back in. But I feel like I was eating as much as I wanted and then be like, oh, I feel like this might affect me a little bit. Maybe I should try not having this a day and just seeing how I feel um, and kind of testing certain things and then realizing it really opened up things that I thought I was reacting to. I wasn't reacting to, mm-hmm. So it really opened up my um, fear foods so that I didn't have 
a fear of a lot of that stuff now. And every time I go see friends that used to know me when I was on the FODMAPs or things like that, they're like, I can't believe all the things you're eating now. You get to eat corn and tortillas and all and all this stuff and fruit and everything else. Because it was a long time I wasn't eating fruit either because of the wow. high FODMAP stuff. Um, so I feel like it's been a process. So that was probably about the first year and a half. Now I feel like I'm a bit more balanced in my hunger and uh, can kind of figure that I have that kind of figured out in what I, when I'm hungry and when I need to feel, I have... I have low thyroid stuff and I can feel like pulses in my thyroid and stuff. So there's different things for different people when they're hungry of what they feel. And so I feel like that's pretty good. And now I'm kind of working on figuring out my fullness again Mm -hmm. and not having to have a, I need to know this by now, but just kind of being more of that inquisitive observational scientists instead of the what I was doing before was more of the intense study scientist of needing to control every aspect of my body as a study subject now it's just like oh I'm gonna observe mm-hmm. oh that didn't feel so great maybe I need to adjust uh, and see how that goes it's does that like, answer your question it does no <laughs> like absolutely like following the following the method coming in you're someone who is very diligent about making sure that you are always on our coaching calls or at least listening to the replays mm-hmm. kind of getting that support and encouragement and i know she has a habit tracker and i know i want to bring this like well we have a habit tracker in the program but like abby takes it to another level it's amazing <laughs> He prints them out at the end, like at the beginning. Yeah. Oh Oh my gosh. Look how pretty it is. (laughs) I love it. And for you, like, what are some special things? Like you've been doing this now almost three years. And obviously Mm -hmm. again, there's shifting and changing. I would love to say that rather than having being critical or having criticism of yourself, you tend to be very curious and compassionate. I think that those are kind of the switches that you've made. What other things are you writing on there? What other things do you include that are helpful for you that may be helpful for others? I'd love to know that. So on my habit tracker, I like to keep kind of the some of the big things I've been working on consistent that I want to keep consistent with for sure. So gratitude is a big one for me because that really helped me shift my mindset with everything because with chronic illness, you feel like you've lost so much in your life and so much a part of you in your life that finding the things you're grateful for on a daily basis has really made a difference. And then strength training is important to me because I'm noticing how much of a difference it makes in my uh, movement. I love to mountain bike and hike and do all the outdoor things. So that is typically always on there. And then right now homework of some sort is on there. So having either homework with the program with Rediscover You, or I'm taking class right now for online business coaching stuff. And I was a mountain bike coach this summer. So I was studying for that. And then I For me, I tend to have one other thing that I'm working on that month. So like this month, I'm working with the eight app and trying different experiments while I'm eating to hopefully help me test out different ways I might be able to be more in tune with my body for hunger or fullness. And those are kind of subcategories then. And I just check off as I go. I am somebody that loves checking things off. Mm -hmm. So the habit tracker for me is amazing. (laughs) 
The other thing I put on that habit tracker on the top is I put my values, which are love, adventure, inner harmony, curiosity, and authenticity. So it helps me remember those are my values and I'm when I'm making decisions. Secondly, I typically always put on there, if not a hell yes, a fuck no. You may need to bleep that if you want. Nope, nope, <laughs> keep it in. I love it. <laughs> it's something I'm still uh, working on. <laughs> uh-huh. It's always a practice. So if Is you... that always on there or is that for this month, like the focus or... No, it's typically always on there in some way. Yep. Because it's something I feel like I always have to to think about is, is this something I really want to do? And then I always typically have 80% on there in some fashion because 80% is better than nothing. Uh, And 24 out of 31 days this month would be awesome. And then I have under my intentions, I usually write my affirmations for the month. So, and that can be as many as one or two up to, I think I've had like 12 or something before. I typically highlight colors, my habit tracker, so I can more visually see what categories it's under. And then some notes to self is usually more of what I kind of want to live by that month. So like this month, I'm living a life based on my values, just jump into my authentic self, focus on outdoor activities to increase production on other activities I want to do because I'm listening to a book called Nature Fix right now. Mm. They're talking about how you'll notice a very dark difference in people's happiness levels by being out in nature more and stuff. And I love being out in nature. And so that was kind of an influence there. And I always feel like I can focus and be more energetic after I've done something outside. And then my other one for this month is to support my husband with love and acceptance. Yeah. And then on the back, a lot of times I'll write down either script out what I want the month to, by the end of the month, what I kind of want it to look like, or I will write down, have a list of wins that I had that Mm -hmm. month. So that's what I'm doing this month is writing down all the wins. So in those times when I'm like, oh, I haven't got anything done. I haven't got this done. I can't have gotten this done. I will have my list of wins or the other thing I like with that is a done list. So instead of a to-do list, you do a to-done list on the back. 100%. You're amazing. (laughs) And I have all of them still from my, when I started working with Kelsey three years ago. That's amazing. Do you like laminate them? Do they belong somewhere? They just go folded up somewhere. They go folded up in a folder. Fold it up in a folder. <laughs> she did take a picture of them at one point. Like there was just stacks of them like spread out. It looked so cool. Do you mm-hmm. journal as well on a daily basis, Abby? Or what does that look yeah. like for you? Not particularly. The three, two, one is probably the most the most consistent I've ever been with journaling. Uh the having the mighty networks with the group is super helpful because then that's kind of like when I'm having a mental block. It's a way to kind of journal in a place where somebody else is going to see it and you can get some help with getting past that. And then every once in a while, when I'm really struggling, I will do a little journaling or something, but it's kind of rare. (laughs) Safe space is a really, I've really appreciated how our community has utilized safe space and being able to say, 
hey, I'm having an urge to binge or, hey, I just emotionally ate or this is just a really difficult time in my relationship right now. And just being able to write it all out in a space that it is really safe and then to get, like you said, some feedback and encouragement, some support. You've definitely mm-hmm. done a great job of utilizing it. It's been very cool. Yeah, I used to journal a lot more, but I don't know. As I got older, it feels like, I don't know, probably should, but... <laughs> Stop shitting all over yourself. We do that enough. I know we do. (laughs) Abby, what does through this journey with chronic illness and whatnot, what is health? Like, what does that look like to you now? And I'll start with that. What does health look like to you now? And kind of your perspective and mindset. I don't know where you are as far as like with all of your symptoms, but when they do arise, how are you managing that and moving through your day and through life? So I feel like I was probably pretty stubborn and I always wanted health to look like how I'm living now. And I didn't want to give up on any of the, like, I just didn't want to give up and be like, well, I can't do that because I always feel like crap or I can't do this because of this reason with my health. So I feel like my health has always been something I've wanted to be at a place where I can move as much as I want, move my body as much as I want in the ways I want, be outside as much as I want, be less restrictive with my diet so that I can go do those things. Because when you have to make all your foods at home and meals at home, it really restricts what you can go outside and do during the day because you always have to come back and make your food then. So being able to thrive in a way that feels authentic to me and be living close to my values and my values I know will probably adjust at some point in my life but at this point the love adventure inner harmony curiosity and authenticity are truly what I feel most connected to right now uh yeah did that that makes sense. And those values, by the <laughs> way, guys, that's an exercise that we do in the Rediscover You Free program. It is part of the Freedom Method Roadmap and just really getting clear what living authentically in your best version of you looks like, not just necessarily what society expects, your family expects, uh, different things like that, because that's that underneath the surface stuff that we sometimes don't even realize or recognize. So often we're just like, just tell me what to eat. Just tell me how to work out. And it's this other stuff that we don't even know or realize. And when we have that clarity, we can make better decisions. We can learn when to say hell no. Uh, I know a big one for you was giving yourself permission to recover, have radical rest. Mm-hmm. Like, Would you like to explain what radical rest is, Miss Abby? <laughs> yes. Radical rest I heard from, I think it was another podcast. I don't, yeah, I think it was from Carl Lowenthal's uh, Unfuck Your Brain podcast. And radical rest is when you have no other stimulus in the room and you just lay down for, they said 20 minutes, but I can't always handle that or have enough time to do that. So I will do five to 10 minutes typically and you just lay down. You don't need to think about anything. It's not like meditation. So if you start thinking about something, that's okay. Just lay down, close your eyes, have no music, no podcast, nobody bugging you and just be silent. And I use that quite a bit when I have months where I'm really fatigued and not feeling very well. 
I think that was the part of your second question, right, Victoria? So Mm -hmm. when I'm not feeling well now, I typically tell myself one of my affirmations is to slow down, just purely Mm -hmm. slow down. And so I try as best as I can to be okay with resting as I need, even if that's rest, then go do a thing, then come back and rest. Uh, I will just try to be more cognizant of recovery and moving slower. Uh, as, as I said, I like to mountain bike and do all the things. So instead I'll maybe go for a walk or do some yoga or go for a shorter mountain bike ride or not as an intense one or do one with friends. So it makes it more fun. Um, my symptoms mostly have subsided except for, I definitely still get a lot of fatigue certain months of the year. So those are kind of how I deal with that. And then I will get stomach issues at times, but instead of reacting to it, I try to either just dismiss the urge in that moment uh, and kind of either change my environment or change what I'm doing in the moment. Uh, or I will just be tell myself that tomorrow's another day. Let's just get through today and eat whatever feels good to me during that day. And again, try to take some rest time with that. So yeah, my symptoms are actually like, I felt the best I have in the last four years than I have in the last decade. So it's not so bad. I still take some supplements and things like that to manage certain things, but, uh, and some medication, but it's not, not bombarding. And then with the supplements, if I forget them, I forget them, which in the past, that was something I was a total crutch. I thought I couldn't do anything if I didn't have my supplements. So uh, now that I forget them, I think I even boxered Kelsey at one point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I forgot my supplements today. I forgot them at home. And guess what? I didn't freak out about it. I You're just alive. My day. <laughs> yeah, I'm alive and nothing changed. <laughs> it's these huge mindset shifts of like getting, that's getting out of the all or nothing, right? Like I have mm-hmm. preferences. I have things that I prefer, but it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, and mm-hmm. I know another one for you is just, just show up, just mm-hmm. show up. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have. And I think that that's a switch in perspective too, rather than I can't do these things. I can't work out. It's just like, I am choosing not to go out at this time because I know I'd rather have the energy for something else that I'm doing later in the week or later in the day. It it brings the power back in your hands. And I think that Mm -hmm. that, that one switch, I, I love words, you know, like we've talked about with with Victoria and the word and, and how empowering that one word can be. But I think even just getting out of the way of I can't versus I choose, Mm -hmm. it just can shift the way you feel. And the other part of that too, for me with the just show up is that even though this may not look perfect, if I just show up, I'll be doing more towards the goal I want than just not even showing up at all. So even if I show up and do five minutes of something, that's more than I would have done before versus in the past, I would have made it something that I needs to be look a certain way for me to do it instead of just showing up and see how things turn out. And I can stop after five minutes. 
I was just at a wellness conference for work and I literally wanted to stand up on the chair and go, yes. But one of the guys was speaking and he said, the smallest actions are better than the greatest of intentions. And I was like, I have just been repeating that over and over again of like, just a little bit is better than me thinking, oh, I should go do this. And yeah. And I was just, I wrote it down and I like told Josh about it. And I've just been like thinking about it and thinking about it. And just, I think it really goes just back to, I think our intentions, I would say in the past, I just have, I've had a very perfectionistic mentality and it's like, well, what does it really actually look like? And where are these things coming from? Is it society? Is it this thing in my head of like, I just think that things should look a certain way or you get to a certain age and things should look a certain way. And it's like kind of dropping that and surrendering that and just saying, I'm just going to show up. And I think you, you're just putting 80% is better than nothing. And 24 out of 31, like that is a beautiful representation of that. Yeah, I honestly, that's how, so during this program with Kelsey too, I did my coaching certification with girls gone strong for women's health and fitness and mindset. And then I did, uh, the precision nutrition certification. I am doing mountain bike coaching. And the only way I've gotten through those is by doing 15 minutes of homework four or five times a week. And if I do 15 minutes, great. And that's all I need to do. And there's oftentimes I was like, yeah, that's all I want to do. And I don't want to do anymore. But then there would be times where I would do, oh, I'll do another 15 minutes. Oh, I'll do another 15 minutes. And yeah, it took me six months to eight months or something with some of them, but it makes a huge difference just showing up and setting the timer for 15 minutes. And it's amazing what you can get done instead of being like sitting in my head and being telling myself, well, I can't start this because I'm not going to be able to get in an hour because I, that's how much time I should be studying is an hour. And that's completely inaccurate. Oh my gosh. It just reminds me so much of the podcast episode we had with Jenny talking about the Mm -hmm. small things and it was the small, like 10 minute walk. And that's the problem is I think so, so many people, and I've even seen it like with some of the coursework we have in, in the modules or whatever else, if they get in their head that they need it to take an hour or two hours in order to sit down with the material, then they'll never do it. I'm just like, just a little bit, just listen to the modules, just listen to the coaching replays. This stuff, it compounds over time. That's when you get the transformation. It's the small stuff. Stop trying to be perfect. I know that that's not, it's counterintuitive or counterculture of what we've been taught, especially with dieting, that you have to be perfect or you failed and you need to start over. And I'm just like, this is what keeps so many people stuck is that they're trying to change everything and be perfect about it all at once. And the moment that they mess up or slip up or it's not 100%, now they're a failure. Now they're off track. Yeah. You could think about it as like compounding mental interest. Oh, yes. So just like our money compounds, an interest once you have it somewhere for so long and the interest accrues interest. If you do 15 minutes today, you do 15 minutes tomorrow in three years, you're going to have compounded mental interest at that point or mindset interest. I love that. (laughs) By the way, Victoria, that's like a mic drop moment. The smallest Mm -hmm. actions are better than the greatest of intentions. I just... 
Oh, I'm gold starring it, that. It, it was in the it was in the context of like wellness in the workplace. And this guy leaves his dumbbells at the front of his office, like right by the door. And he just does 10 reps of curls when he walks into his office. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I walk in 10 times into my office and I've done a hundred reps mm-hmm. versus I can't sometimes going to the gym. Like I want to go to the gym for an hour. And he's like, sometimes it just doesn't happen, mm-hmm. but I got my hundred reps in. And I was just like, oh, okay. Legit. We have one of our women, uh, Antonia, we'll have to have her on at some point, but she talked about like, she was having a lot of resistance to walking and getting her steps in and assuming that it needed to be 10,000 steps a day. And it just felt so daunting from where she was at. And then when she gave herself the, another term, I know you and I both love is that structured flexibility that Mm -hmm. she said, all right, I'm going to go for either a 10 or 15 minute walk, whatever it was right around her block. And I can either do it in the morning in the afternoon, after lunch or after dinner, I, as long as I do one of them, if I do all three, if I do two or whatever else, as long as I hit one of them, then I've made progress and I can feel really good. It's setting that minimum. And it's been amazing ever since doing that. Now, all of a sudden her body is craving the walk. Now, all of a sudden she's wanting and able to do so much more consistently and, and making and seeing progress. And so I just, again, really encourage you guys keep it small and, and just make it something that is that f- flexible rather than rigid, having that flexibility. No. Any other questions for you, Miss Vic? I think what is, if somebody that has, has maybe a similar story to yours or experience, what would you say to them? Or what would you say to the Abby 15 years ago, 10 years ago? Uh, stay the path. Mm. Don't give up. There will be massive changes that you never expected to take this long, but it's worth it. Mm. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right, team. Well, we'll wrap things up here, but Abby, I so appreciate you being here, hopping on. I, again, your story, I'm sure will resonate with so many people. And guys, if you are somebody who is struggling with chronic illness or if you, some of the, the terminology, like we were talking about orthorexia, if some of orthorexia, if some of that is starting to resonate with you and you'd like to talk to somebody about it to see if you can get some support, some help, we are here for you and definitely feel free to book a free breakthrough call with me. I'm definitely here to support you in any way possible, even if that means just sending you some free resources so that you can start looking through all of this information on your own. We genuinely want to help you and just, you just don't have to do this journey alone. Thank you so much, Abby. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye guys.